I'm scared to death. I avoid <laughs> it like the plague of just filling out forms, applications. Like I can't even. <laughs> I keep getting it. Why don't you go to the doctor more? I'm like, because you have to fill out forms. forms. I'm not worried about the doctor. You can tell me I'm dying of cancer. I'd be like, that's cool. <laughs> Andy, I'm so sorry that you have to go through life like that. Welcome to Beyond the Cart, presented by Lightburn. I'm Nora. And I'm Andy. And this is a podcast all about e-commerce and our journey developing our own direct-to-consumer e-commerce site from the ground up. Today, we're talking all things customer service and how small choices you make can have a big impact on your brand and customer loyalty. We've got a lot to go over, so let's get started. So, today, we're, we have another episode where we're packing a bunch in. This is like a jam-packed, I think we could have a separate episode, and maybe we will, on every single one of these topics. So we are talking returns. We are talking about notifications, packaging, nurturing. We're talking about customer service and all these touch points outside of the website itself that are part of customer service. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize when they get started that they have to figure out. They're the little fiddly bits that you have to work out and that will take your customer experience from good to great. So Andy, we have talked a lot about how customer service is going to be a key element for Billberry West. And I want to revisit why is that? Let's remind people, why have we decided to do that? Why aren't we just like bare bones site? You get it when you get it. I think it's one of the easiest, most cost effective ways to differentiate, you know? And again, I like, I'm an Amazon fanboy. <laughs> You love and hate Amazon. Well, I feel one like. of Jeff Bezos' things was like, you know, he set out. It's like nobody ever said to take longer to ship it to me and charge me more, right? So his two his philosophies for Amazon initially were: we're going to ship it to you as fast as humanly possible, and we're going to charge you the least amount of money. And that's customer service to me, right? And I think it's so easy to be tainted and turned off for life if you have a bad customer service experience. Yeah, absolutely. Can I tell you the terrible customer service experience I had in person yesterday, two days ago? Of course I want to hear it. Rag on them. Let's do it. We went to an outdoor like food truck situation. We haven't been dining out very much. And this was an exciting, like, we're going to go out. It's outside. It feels safe. Blah, blah, blah. We've been there before. Great. So the customer experience is great because they have QR codes on all the tables. You scan it. It brings up all the different food trucks in Cash Drop, which is a great app for restaurants. And so you can pick which one, place your order. You get a text when it's ready. You go up to the food truck and, and pick up your food. So you're not waiting in line. You can sit at your table and enjoy yourself. Everybody can order what they want. But they also have a bar. And I did the exact same thing that I did at the at the restaurants. But apparently, I did not notice this as I was checking out. There is a field to put in your table number because the bar only delivers the drinks to your table. You can't go pick it up. Well, I didn't notice that as I was ordering because it's I'm there with my family. I'm distracted. They let my drinks sit there for 25 minutes without telling me that they were ready. And that I hadn't put in a table number. Yeah, so that's I had to just go up, And she was all shitty at me about it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then make the field required, dude. Like, or clarify the take. form. Yeah, I was mad at that form. But then, you know, like also send the text. The system sends text to people. So I could have gotten a text that said it's ready. No. And they didn't collect my table number. So I had no idea. I thought they were just too busy. 
And I was trying to be polite. I was so irritated because not only was that a bad experience just from the technology side, but then when I went up to get the drink, she was snotty at me about it. Yeah. And like, why? I do have some empathy still. There's a grace period in my mind that will run through the end of this summer with restaurants and technology. Oh, that's really generous of you. I said this in a previous episode. I'm I'm very interested to see what sticks if we sort of consolidate for restaurant, you know, for ordering apps, if those start to standardize a little bit more because they're still all over the place. What yeah. order you, you put in information and that feels like something that's going to mature here in the next couple of years. And, you know, there will be some best practices that we already see in e-commerce that I think restaurant ordering apps are going to start establishing as well. So there won't be as much of a gap between different services. That's my hope. But customer service, I mean, it's so much more than just your customer service department. It really does bleed through into every department of your entire company. And you're right, it's critical for Billberry West because we don't have an established brand yet. How people think of us is going to be so influenced by the service that they get. So we've got a few different areas that are really important for good customer service that we wanted to talk about today. And the first one that I wanted to get into, and this, you know, again, customer service is every touch point, I would say, for a customer with your brand from the moment that they even look at an ad and click on it and does it get them to the right page that they expect that's an experience that they're having that's a that's part of establishing the relationship but we're going to talk about a few you know more narrow topics that are part of customer service so one of the first ones is returns which again like that's one of those things that it's never fun for the retailer right nobody wants to it'd be great if you never had to accept another return Right. Again, Zappos set the bar on that, right? setting the bar. I believe in their philosophy. I I subscribe to that, which is take back something no matter what. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand creating some boundaries around that, that maybe Zappos scale wise can handle that that a small retailer can't. Can't or won't though? Well, I mean, there's cost associated, right? I think there's some factors like repeat business for Zappos is incredibly important. If I'm selling something that doesn't have as much, you know, possibility of the that customer being a repeat, or that if it's earns harder you the to right restock, to be an asshole, though, I don't think it's an asshole to only accept returns for sixty days. Zappos accepts oh, returns for well, a year, sure, a okay. year. Fair enough. That's, Fair enough. That's something that a small retailer just can't. And they'll do. pay for it, right? Yeah, you don't even have to pay for the shipping back. Right. And all their shipping is free. So again, I mean, I think that's a scale thing, right? It's worth it to Zappos because I guarantee you, I have shoes in my house that I meant to return and I never did after a year, which is on me. And that was worth it to them to like have me order. I know Amy orders like five shoes at a time, right? Amy, my you've Amy? seen it. Two. Yeah, you're Amy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So so their their model is built around. I mean the Amazon truck literally encouraging to fuck up my driveway when when she's got a shoe because it's just like yeah, we're gonna we need to open the big door on this one. I unless yeah. If she orders five pairs or something, four, if not all five of them go back more often than not. It's rare that she keeps yeah. I think Zappos has has definitely set a standard, but it is, you know, obviously they had to make people trust buying shoes online. Correct. That's an ask. This chair that we're selling, these chairs, 
You don't have to try on to see if they're a good fit. Returns are not as critical. You don't think so? So this is a no. chair. This is something you're going to sit in. I hope in. not. And you get it. You put it together, which hopefully will be four bolts. So it should be really easy. You sit down and you're like, this fucking sucks. I, I don't want somebody to be, I don't want to be like, yeah, sorry, dude, you're on your own. It's like, nope, you're not happy. Send it back. That's my philosophy. I'll probably change my mind once I get the shipping bills. But do I, and I also don't know if we should pay for that or not. That, that gets complicated, right? I do think whether or not your product's restockable, how restockable it is matters. You know, if you had high seasonality that that might make a difference i do think returns factor into like your reputation as a brand yeah totally. and being willing to accept a return on day 61 even if your policy states that you don't accept returns past 60 days which is totally reasonable but if somebody calls you up and it's been 61 days like you better accept that return come on and i think you know, most retailers, it seems like, want to make it easy to do returns, but not too easy. Which drives me crazy. I get it, though, from you don't a business promote. standpoint. Like, you're not like, make sure you return that. Like, you're not going to send out an email reminding someone to return it. Like, that's silly. Sure. But you <laughs> so, shouldn't bury the information no. on, hey, you know what? I've made a mistake. I don't like it. It's not what yeah. I expected whatever well so so something that we're doing on bilberry west which i'm really pleased with is that you know we're gonna have a return policy and there'll be some some you know complex language around it or maybe some legal terms with with all of our policies but we're gonna use plain language like that's very important to us to not make it hard to understand for two reasons First, I think it's the right thing to do for any user to just be able to quickly read and understand the policy when they need to return something, make it easy. But second, if knowing that there's a returns policy is a barrier for someone to decide whether or not to make the purchase, because I could totally see I, you know, I'm considering buying this chair, you might be comparing, it's not the cheapest thing ever, it's not $5 sunglasses. If you want to double check that you can return this thing, to to make it so that someone can very quickly see, yes, I can return it. Okay, good. I'm going to buy it. That is yeah. my goal, is that someone doesn't have to wonder if they're stuck with it for life, if they don't like it. Do you want to offer free shipping back? I would love to be there. I know we won't be able to do that day one. Yeah, like that's a cost thing. But I'm a big fan, you know, across the Replacements board. Replacements are a different thing. I feel like, right? Like we're, well, if something's like damaged, damaged or, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Like that's yeah. no question. But yeah, I mean, my ultimate goal is, is I want to differentiate because I, and I get asked this a lot. What, Andy, you're, you're starting this company. What, there, there's already people that do this. What are you guys doing to make, be different? And there was 20,000 shoe stores before Zappos got in. What are they doing different? They, bigger selection and and super easy to work with. I think it's one of those things that's so simple to do. It's, it can be a little painful that makes such a huge, massive difference. It, it's And it's like so simple, but so many people are resistant to it that it, it's very easy to differentiate yourself with that. I think it's very, it's, like it's really secret, easy. If you ask me. Yeah, it's really easy for return policies to smack of disdain for the customer and i've seen them before where it's like you have four days from the date that you receive it to return your 
item and it must be in all original packaging and if you don't put this special code in yeah, the box the whole and it's RMA like RMA number of bullshit it's like what yeah i mean that's definitely telegraphing a message that you do not want returns and you are not necessarily interested in making the customer happy you're interested in the sale and that is it so no. having a returns policy that's easy to read and understand is showing that you care about your customer Correct. And what is the value that, I mean, I think it's really hard to measure, but you could have a customer that returns something, ultimately doesn't like the product. They talk highly of the experience and you get more like, yeah, that's, it, that's I believe in that philosophy and, and that's yeah. what I, you know, as much as we can afford mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, if we're framing returns around good customer service, you know, our brand is about being welcoming and making people feel at home and easy. And so making the return process easy is, is part of that brand experience. And that it makes sense that even a policy like this, that hopefully not that many people have to use will reinforce that brand. Everyone always goes to these edge cases like, well, people are going to take advantage of it. It's like, of course, you're going to have the asshole that takes advantage of it somehow. But Towards no what? matter what, that doesn't mean and you should wreck the experience for yeah, everyone else. Absolutely, that's I mean, my we have, philosophy. <laughs> we have a client who you know sells customized products, like they they're written on, they're uh, one of a kind, and they'll replace if someone accidentally spells their kid's name wrong, and it's the customer's fault. They'll replace it sometimes. Yeah, um, they'd rather build that long, lifelong relationship than say, well, technically you spelled Casey with a with an E instead of an EY. So it's on you. They don't do that. And it's worth it for them to build that relationship. So I think, you know, it, that's that's a, a place where you can really reinforce good customer service. Yeah. Another area. Well, I guess one other thing I'll say on returns is you can keep it kind of low fi to start. It is okay if you don't have an, a totally automated system for returns day one. So this is a place where, you know, getting Billberry West off the ground, we might have a little bit of human interaction to make returns happen day one. Yeah. And we had that with Cooper too. We had a very low minuscule. It was like one a month, maybe somebody had something to return. So we didn't have that big of an issue. We do have customers that have, you know, I think apparel is a huge industry where that's very common. So yeah, for us, to your point, Nora, it's not going to prevent us from going live and selling yeah, these and that we don't have that component in place. Yeah, it's definitely not worth, you know, investing infrastructure in. It's okay for it to be kind of manual to start. And hopefully it won't happen very often. Yeah, so the next topic that we wanted to talk about when it comes to customer service is notifications. And we talked about this in our episode when we were talking about shipping too, owning the notifications that your customers get. So when I say yeah. notifications, I mean like emails typically, but also text messages are pretty popular these days too. Yeah, um, and I personally love getting text messages. Oh, I know. Well, to a point, I have had some that have been overboard. So I think it's important when you can to allow the the user to customize that whether On or not notifications. they want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like whether or not they get text messages. Right. Um, Shopify makes that really easy. When you check out, you can 
check whether or not you want to receive text messages. So that gives control to the end user, which is nice. That's one of my favorite things that I think online retailers miss sometimes is is getting your brand voice into your notifications and making them feel good and fun. And we're always sharing those around the office, right? When we get a good one. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, I think we have a real opportunity with Billberry West to make every single notification that we send customized and in our voice. Totally. To make somebody excited to get their order, especially if there is a little bit of a lead time, which hopefully there won't be. But you know, we can really make somebody start to get excited about getting their product. My point with notifications is I'm shocked by how many e-commerce companies still, they'll allow their shipping provider to handle all that. And to me, it's just like, why are you doing that? Because that whole customer experience is now outside of your control. Like with Billberry, we have the opportunity, you place an order, we're going to send you order confirmation for sure. It ships, right? We're going to send you a shipment confirmation for sure. You know, we know that the first thing a customer has to do with our product is put it together. So we could even now like, hey, we know they're expecting this. We could send them another email and be like, bam, here's Here's the assembly video or whatever. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And get them prepared for this. and, And we can control that experience while it's all lumped under that notification. Hey, your your chair is going to be like we could the data is out there, for example, I'm not saying we're going to do this, but we could that we know, you know, we could get if we ship UPS, for example, we could figure out 24 hours before a package is scheduled to be delivered. We have access to that information and we could send it there. Hey, tomorrow your chairs are showing up. Yeah. Go find your Phillips head screwdriver and make sure you've got a space about, you know, five by five to assemble like get somebody ready yeah don't forget we're here to help here's our customer service phone number if you have any problems Mm -hmm. putting this thing together which again hopefully having customer service (laughs) will reduce the first thing that we talked about which is returns in the first place so yeah absolutely my takeaway from notifications awesome opportunity that is and i've been beating this drum literally for 10 years and I lose more often than I win of people Only wanting 10? 10 plus years. <laughs> like what drum working with clients and prospects and friends even that have, they're like, Oh, UPS world ship can send that notification. It's like, dude, have you actually gotten that thing? It's fucking horrible. No, it's not warm. I mean, it's, it's not anything that we want our brand to be. So obviously owning that and you know, right. this it's is not UPS's a- brand or FedEx's brand. Yeah. And it's there, like, and of course, it's going to be the least common denominator yeah. because they, well, there's a field you can put a custom message in. <laughs> Great, dude. Thanks. So that's one of the things I love about Shopify, how easy they make it to customize those notifications. Yeah. And you can set up every single one of those templates, add whatever text you want. If you want to add links to video, you know, you could add help text in there depending on what product was ordered even that's something i really love about shopify it really puts it in the hands of you know an administrative editor you don't need a developer you know if you want to do something really complex maybe but it's pretty easy for a person without coding experience to customize those messages even like weird one-off messages that you maybe don't realize the system would send another thing that i've seen that i love is if you do have something that's custom build or custom created that has a little bit of lead time like a check-in email once the order has been started 
can be really cool to get somebody excited and, you know, remind them that it's coming. We haven't forgotten about you. And we're excited to send you this product as well. So I really love those notifications like that, that are a little unexpected, can really um, solidify a brand. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We could figure out the temperature of the location (laughs) where the shit was delivered. And you could tailor your message based on that. Like, dude, it looks like it's going to be a great weekend to set out by the fire. You know, and if it's snowy and rainy, then maybe not. I don't know. There's just the opportunities are endless. I guess that's my point. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will delegate that to the shipper provider, the carrier, because it's like, we don't know how to do that. They don't take the time to think about that as an opportunity where I think it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. Dude, there's opportunities to upsell product, promote other product. Anytime you can talk to a customer in a warm way, meaning it's not a cold call email. Yeah. It's something that they're expecting. They're interested in opening it because it get, it's information that they're expecting to get, right? Yeah. Take advantage of it. Yeah. So another thing, oh man, I'm full of segues today. Another area that I don't think enough people take advantage of, or when you do, it's well worth it, is in the way that you package your shipment and what you're putting in it. Yeah. Don't package it like a turd because we've all gotten (laughs) packed, right? We've all gotten shipments and it's like... Well, it's one of those areas where it's like, yes, you're investing a little bit more time and cost, but it's almost always worth it. Like that moment of delight. And I would... I would challenge anybody who listens to this that they haven't had an experience where they got a product in the mail in a way that like was nicely packaged and they weren't pleasantly surprised by that and it didn't like make them happy. It always feels good to have a well put together package with a little either a little something extra or unexpected color or something that feels good in that moment. It's exciting. Getting mail, getting packages is still fun. So making that as fun as possible, I think is going to be a really great opportunity for us. We're talking about different stuff that we can put in. I think I'm really excited about can koozies. I think that's like a perfect branded item that we can put in there that feels like a little extra something. I don't know. Andy, have we decided on that? Is that like no, a done deal? No, I totally forgot. Yeah. So I'm so constant. I'm so cool... focused right now on on actually getting the the product that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking about what's going to make somebody go, oh, cool. Thanks. When they open it. I just ordered some clothes from a really small retailer. They only have like four or five products, but I ordered these pants. I I think I talked about these pants last time too. Like these pants are really important in my life, but they came with like a canvas little garment bag that had their logo on it, of course, but then also like a canvas shopping bag which I totally didn't expect, like just a free shopping bag. And I actually ordered a second pair later because I really liked them in a different color. And I'm interested to see, do they send that tote bag in every single order or do they do that with the first order? So that'll be something kind of cool to find out. I'm curious. I'm like shouting them from the rooftops because I think they're such a cool company for a number of reasons, but like including that bag in there is just like such a nice gift to me as a customer. I think it's well worth investing in something like that. Totally. Another thing that a lot of our clients do, which I highly recommend, is including some sort of discount for the next order in in a shipment. Yeah, I mean, unless you're a retailer that's adamantly against. Well, if you never give discounts, obviously. Yeah. But even just like free shipping on your next order, which obviously, like we've said before, like offer free shipping whenever you can. But if you can't for some reason, 
free shipping is a good one. Just a 10% off. You're probably doing 10% off somewhere else, right? Like, come on, we, you're, you're doing that discount somewhere at some time of year. So offering that to a repeat customer is a great opportunity. Yeah. And we did that with Cooper safety every we had a two-sided postcard. So you had the packing mm-hmm. list that went in the yeah. box, the product that you ordered went in the box, of course, packaging material, but there was always a postcard and we had it double-sided printed. So one side always had a discount. We'd only print like, I think it was like a thousand at a time. And then we mm-hmm. would change the coupon code. Yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, sometimes they do end up on coupon, you know, retail wow. or not and crap like that, whatever. There's actually an argument for seeding coupon codes on retail or not so that there's always something there for sure yeah because sometimes people this is a little bit divergent but i think it's worth saying sometimes people are like they have to have a coupon code to place an order it's deep in their soul that they must get a discount so they will go out looking for it and if we can just offer it to them right where they're looking like retail or not or, or, you know, an aggregator like that, then it closes the loop for them. They get their discount. They come back, they place the order. We're moving forward. Right. So it's worth it sometimes. But yeah, to your point, if you want to keep track of those discount codes and make sure that they're actually being used by that, you know, person who placed a previous order rather than just some rando. Yeah. Reprinting smart. But the other thing we did, so it was a double-sided postcard, right? So one side had the thank you for your order. Here's a percentage off your next order. And we didn't care... If you ordered twice a month from us, you still got that. Yeah. So we didn't yeah. take it out. But then on the opposite side of that postcard, it would be an ad basically for another product that we carried. And what we did is I actually got 3M, for example, they went into safety glasses. So 3M, historically, at the time we owned Cooper Safety, did not sell safety glasses. They were more into respirators, as we all know now. And they had a big presence in earplugs but never safety glasses and some other categories. So they came out with safety glasses. And for example, we sold the back of that postcard to 3M to market their safety glass products, which we also carried. And uh-huh. the money that we got from that paid Covered for the it. whole the campaign. Whole program. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that makes sense. for us being thrifty was important and it was awesome. But we, I mean, our redemption rate on that, those coupons was way higher than I ever expected really? yeah yeah i think you can't discount <laughs> get it the value of a program like that yeah and i think and i don't know it's it's speculation but i don't know if because we separated that actual physical card from the packing list which a lot of people throw away mm-hmm. it was easy to That'd be... keep i don't know if yeah i don't know but it worked and i recommend it this is a sidebar but i don't remember do you d- did cooper safety have a strong brand do you feel like i have no idea i mean we had really so we had loyal customers we had very loyal customers we had a very high repeat order Mm -hmm. volume we had exceptional reviews on yeah biz rate which was i think they're still around we don't use them very often anymore but so that was a third party customer satisfaction yeah i mean we had i think i can't i think it was a 10 star rating it was like a 9.9 and with thousands of reviews. So yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. We were so small and we were yeah. we had so few resources and we were growing so fast and there were so many other things to, to deal with that. Did we take time to figure out if our brand well, perception was I good or say, not? I no, should say didn't. you did have a brand 
right? It, yeah, you always it sounds do, like right? it was a good one. It just wasn't one that you were like actively cultivating and keeping track yeah. of, but like that reliability. Those, I don't know if there was ever market confusion. I do. I will never forget. I, I was doing customer service one day and I took a phone call from a gentleman who, you know, loved working with us. They had never placed an order. That was because we looked, I looked it up while they, they were talking on the phone and supposedly their cousin works for the company. I was like, that's awesome. When I know right. they didn't, right? Because it was me and <laughs> one other person. And, you, and you I know that other person cousin. because it's my wife isn't your cousin. So, uh, so <laughs> that's I don't know. Great. And I don't know like, if that oh, was confusion. I'll say hi to him. Yeah, we eat lunch together all the time. <laughs> yeah, I ultimately, they were a Wisconsin person, strangely enough. I yeah. think they were confusing um, Cooper's safety with Cooper Power, which was a company. Oh, maybe. So they, yeah, that, that makes sense. And it, yeah, so I don't know, whatever. It was funny, though. Yeah. I'll never forget that because I didn't, I was so taken, I didn't know what to do. Well, and you were in like customer service mode where you're just sort of like being pleasant and like kind of agreeing and you're not yeah. going to argue. What's the point? So anything else on packaging? Like, I think the one of the best examples, in my opinion, I think Lego is one of the best freaking examples of packaging. You know, you sure. pop open that box and, you know, if it's a sizable kit, they have bags and they're all numbered. The and then bags the instructions and it's labeled. Go. Yes. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. Where, you know, we've all gotten stuff that you have to assemble and it's like one big bag of parts and then you have to sort those parts and then you have to like... I think, you know, one example, they're not a client, but I've always uh, respected their packaging and they're, they're small. They were smaller. I'd say that without knowing how big they actually are. But um, is Amy's Caramel's Apple. They were a very yes. early adopter of e-commerce and they... I don't think I've ever seen uh, shipped. Yeah. So the, their exterior box is, you know, a brown corrugated packaging yeah. box. It does uh -huh. have their name on the side, if I'm not mistaken. But inside, you know, they put apples into this very amazing i don't know what they spent on that box for the apple but it's like a custom yeah. apple holding you know box. And it, yeah it had a you know it's a box that the apple sits in with the stick that had a hole that came it, like i'm pretty sure they still do it and i think people absolutely because it, it made it really easy to gift give them it looked awesome you know when you just spent 13 bucks on a single caramel apple i think the expectation well, you're paying for the experience right yeah the experience that's part of it you know, lived up to its yeah. expectation. Okay, I got one more, one more topic. I mean, we can talk about as much customer service stuff as you want. But the other one I wanted to touch on today was nurturing. So we talk about that a lot in marketing in other ways. But I think nurturing customers in a direct to consumer area, there's some opportunities there that are, again, like, I, th I see all this customer service stuff as fun. Like this is like, what what can you do? to make a connection with another human, even though they're doing it all online and they're, they may never associate an individual human with your brand, you know, how do you make a connection? So I think nurturing is so important when you have anything that's consumable, right? Anything that is, can be a repeat order, it's really critical. Dick Sporting Goods is kind of on my shit list for lack of a better what? word. Like, because Why? they've taken, like I've ordered type? stuff from Dick's Sporting Goods <laughs> and I've done curbside pickup. And they have one speed for their email, and it is, like, obnoxious only. It's, like, <laughs> anywhere between one and two promotional emails every day, seven days a week. And, like, it's insane. Like, it's just, it, it is the shotgun, and, and maybe the numbers support it. Uh, 
you want to talk about fatigue? Oh, it's insane. And it's not, it's, it's all like Nike sale, you know, Under Armour sale, blah, blah, blah. It's all sale, 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 sale. And there's never any good content there. So we're not, Dix is doing nothing to nurture my relationship. What would you do if you were, in, if you were taking over for them? What would you do? Well, the first thing I, I would love to see their click through and actual, you know, they probably have a huge list, right? They're a huge company. So they yeah. have a huge list. So their numbers are probably huge. But still, what uh, I've been getting an email from them every day, literally for a year, at least. And you I haven't bought a single thing. Unsubscribe, bro. Unsubscribe. I know. I'm almost, I'm intrigued by are you, like, their campaign. Kind of. Well, you know, my first thought is it must Good be for working them that for they can them. Pull this off one email per day. Yeah, that's Oy. volume. You're thinking of them, but I do think I don't know. Like you would, you would hope that it's working for them. Like if they're doing this, they're investing in this, that it's paying off. But you'd yeah. be, I think you'd be surprised at how you know there is that old school attitude of just like flood them with the coupons, and that's all we're gonna do. And I don't think that's enough to stand out yeah. anymore. And I, I mean, we did it on at Cooper Safety. We did a flyer sales promotion email to the whole list. And we had a pretty good size list. It was like yeah. 45 or 50,000. And they were all customers. And you could count on sales. It was always yeah. mind boggling. You would send that out and all of a sudden you were watching your sales dashboard and it would almost instantly go up. That's it was, so fun. Yeah, it was. It was. It was super exciting. It's like, yeah. oh, sales are down a little bit this week. Well, let's send an email. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to see which industries that works for and which it doesn't. You know, what's your customer base? Well, you yeah. mentioned consumables earlier. Like, I think mm -hmm. there's a huge opportunity to remind people. Like, and we started doing this on Cooper. We ended up selling the company before we fully executed it. But Scott and I started working on using our data. So we knew we, we sold a lot of consumable stuff, especially yeah. on respirators, right? So we're all like familiar a, with N95 respirators. We sold yeah. a ton of respirator N95 back in the day. And a version of that, there was a version that had, you had a mask and that had these cartridges and the cartridges mm -hmm. would, they needed to be replaced after X amount of use. So we would identify people who had purchased specific SKUs and then nurture them on, hey, just a reminder, it's been, you know, 30 days since you ordered these. Don't forget, they're only good for X number of hours. And that started to pay off because I do. I think people forget stuff. So I think there's opportunities there to nurture. You know, on Billberry West, do we do we want to become... You know, we're all about healthy living and, and enjoying the outdoors and so on and so forth. I don't know if it makes sense. Are we overstepping our expertise to like send, you know, how to start a campfire, how to, how to roast a marshmallow around the fire email? I don't, I don't know. I'm on the fence there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we want. We're working on this right now, actually, because we're talking and this is where like nurturing and content marketing kind of like intersect, I would say, because it's a question of like, what do we want to do with this content? Is it relevant? And when? But we're we're definitely talking about putting together a blog and, you know, that kind of started from search engine optimization. Obviously, getting more content on the site is helpful. But what else can we do with that? Can we send it to people? Will it be relevant? I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. And it's easy. Like, I have no problem. If you want to, we'll probably have articles about roast, you know, roasting the best yeah, marshmallow. Whatever. Yeah. And it'll be fun. 
you know, because some people like them burnt, other people like them golden, other people mm -hmm. just like them warmed up. So I think there's some fun stuff that we can <laughs> it do there. Itself. I've spent a lot of time talk, thinking about marshmallow roasting. Marshmallows. Uh, <laughs> okay. The difference wait. there, so though, Andy right? That's not really nurturing. Marshmallows. That's, if somebody does a Google search for, you know, how to roast a marshmallow, I haven't done any keyword research, but whatever yeah, the terms are. I don't are, think and that, they, that like, is, a, is a sale for us necessarily, right? Well, like... But if they proactively are searching for that content yeah. and they find our site, that's cool. We're not shoving that down their throat. No, exactly. It's a more passive. Yeah. But you're saying, does does someone who bought a chair from us want our opinion on the best way to roast a marshmallow? Like, do they give a shit what we think? Is right. that, Like, that's the yeah. question. Yeah. But I think there is an opportunity for styling a backyard that has this. Like, you know, there's other, you know, things adjacent to having one of these chairs. Some great fire pits that are great in small spaces, for instance. You know, I think there are things that are closer, maybe, than the roasting a marshmallow example that would be worth it. I don't know. Do we provide guidance on how to build a fire pit? I built a fire pit with a friend of mine a couple of years ago. And it was very fun. So yes, I would love to. I have a fire pit that is the opposite. Like it's it's a solo stove. So it just like moves around my yard as needed, which is great. So there are... <laughs> We were going to do like a what's your fire pit personality quiz and oh. <laughs> help you pick the right fire pit. That could be fun. You know, you bought a chair and now you got to outfit the rest of it, right? But then it also comes down to like, what's the return on all this, right? Like we can write all day about fire pits and roasting marshmallows, but like, is that actually selling chairs? How well, do you measure the value of that? I mean, especially on the email nurturing, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. I definitely think you have to do it. I do think, to your point, especially for Billberry, we're not going to spend two days producing a kick-ass email and all the work that goes in there to, yeah. to send it out to 12 people. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, that point. just ordered a product that, that isn't consumable. Yeah. That is a challenge that we're going to have. It's like we're going to have an email list, and we obviously want to build that email list. So what you're but telling me— we don't me... talk to that email list right away and we wait a year— yeah. That's weird because it's always weird to like, why am I hearing from these guys now? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple things to consider. In this case, we want it to be highly shareable, right? Because that's the value of that customer after they bought their chairs. They may not be buying more right away. Maybe some, maybe they're buying one as a try me and they're going to buy the rest of them, you know, next week. That's great. I think most of our customers aren't, you know, we don't have a consumable. So they're going to stop being an active customer. So in that case, we got to have something that's maybe shareable so that we get the brand out there so that we get totally. more traffic. Like that's the value in that nurturing. To me, though, I see one way we'll be able to nurture is it's to have that content and we will be rolling out new products, right? Since we have such a small catalog. That's with true. That's a really good point. We can announce new products, which is exciting. Yeah. And you tend to get pretty good click-through rates on stuff like that. And I also, you know, that's a good opportunity, I think, to deploy the preferred customer discount, which people respond pretty well to because it feels like a scarcity. Oh, I'm a preferred customer. Not everybody is. I deserve this discount. So I think that's a really good opportunity, like giving somebody like maybe a chance to pre-order 
things that are on, you know, a new product could be really nice. Pre-orders are super enticing. Limited runs are something I'm yeah. noodling. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm down this like sustainable fashion path. Like I've been really trying to reduce my consumption of clothing. So like I try to buy only from sustainable brands. So pre-ordering is really huge in that space because part of sustainability in fashion is like not making more than you need. So it's very common to have pre-orders in that space. And it does create that scarcity, which is really compelling. Would you consider abandoned carts nurturing? Yes. Or do they get their own category? Yeah, I think abandoned carts are, if you, you better be doing abandoned carts if you can. Because yeah, I think there's a lot of, really I've gotten it. abandoned cart emails like five minutes after I left the yeah, site. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, dude, like, chill. Like I just answered a phone call. Calm down. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we you know. know we, we we obviously want to do our part. We don't want to be aggressive, slimy salespeople, no. right? Or push it, people into buying something yeah. they don't really want. But we do want to make sure we're taking every opportunity to, you know, to close a deal. That's mm-hmm. that's important. You can't survive without sales. And sometimes you have to ask for those sales. So, you know, in a perfect world, everyone would just agree yeah. that we're the best and, and buy it. But sometimes we do have to do a little persuasion isn't a bad thing. Well, and I think, you know, there's buying intent, obviously, because you have to have gotten to a certain point where we have your email address that we're sending that abandoned cart email. So you're close and you just need a little nudge. So abandoned cart emails, like we always treat those as their own separate campaigns and we track them separately. We noodle with the the timeline, like you were saying, Andy, don't send it five minutes later. And but you we don't also... have to give away that. A lot of, I've seen a lot of people are like, oh shit, you didn't finish your cart five minutes ago. Here's 40% off. It's like, whoa. I love you and your hyperbole, Andy. But yeah, you know, a little discount a little later might be worth it. And sometimes it's just, that's another opportunity to bring home that brand. Like we have, you know, hopefully you're using that brand voice, whether it's, you know, silly or warm and welcoming to invite somebody back. So it's not just a dry, like you left something in your cart. Like you want to do something that feels like you and get somebody excited about the product. Totally. Yeah. These are, (laughs) this is a lot. Like any one of these could probably be a deeper dive, but these are some of the things that I think people overlook when they're thinking about customer service and customer experience and where you can really take it from like good to great. And I would, my recommendation, so if somebody came to me and it was a brand new startup or they brand, brand new to e-commerce. To yeah. Oh, yeah. When they do. They do that all the time. <laughs> True. That's your job. Oh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> would be like all these things. So returns, notifications, mm-hmm. packaging, nurturing, super important. Good customer service, super important. But still secondary to like, you know, that we keep saying that this on this podcast is like don't let these things stop you from launching if your notifications suck and your packaging sucks and you're not nurturing and your returns is not policy is not the best that's okay like don't let all these things prevent you from launching because these are all good things that you can focus on once you get some momentum yeah, that's a good point, Andy, because it can be really easy to get caught up in these. You know, I, I started this by saying this is so important, but at the same time, like, well, it is. How, 
are you selling anything today? If you aren't, start selling something and then start thinking about the next problem and the next problem and the next problem, right. which I know you get mad at me because we're talking about Billberry West and you're still working out, you know, the timeline is off because we're publishing these podcasts a little later than we're recording. But as of this recording, we don't necessarily have products to sell, right? Yeah. Sort so of problem, I'm like, right? well, yeah, but what are, what are we going to put in the pack? Like, are we going to do beer koozies? Or are we going to do a bag? Like, and you're like, Nora, chill out. We're not there yet. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. So run before you walk. I think don't let perfection be the, oh, what's the saying? I'm losing it. I think the message is run before you walk. Something's better than nothing in any of these areas and keep tooling, keep bringing your brand through in all of these touch points. Yeah, I, I like I, I'm more of a ready fire aim. I think that's yeah, another way of saying it. So <laughs> don't be don't uh, that's why we're the trigger. So perfect. You can always Andy, aim later. That's why we compliment each other so well, because yeah. you push forward and I pull us back and it all works out just fine. Right. Perfect. And that's a wrap on our first season of Beyond the Cart. We're going to be taking a small break for a couple of reasons. First, we have an update on Billberry West. Andy, do you have some news for our friends who have been patiently awaiting their outdoor furniture? Unfortunately, I don't have good news. Supply chains have still been really difficult to navigate. And as a new manufacturer, we're kind of put at the end of the line for materials. Yeah, so that's not, I'm sure we're not the first people who have had this happen as we're getting a new business off the ground. Luckily, all our eggs are not in one basket. Is there anything that you're doing to keep things moving? We're actually shopping for some industrial space, actually, to get our equipment set up in a different location that's bigger, which seems cart before the horse. But we're going to go ahead and start making, using the equipment we have, full-size prototypes with alternative materials so that we can get all the bugs worked out on shipping, we can get all the bugs worked out on assembly, and then really it'll just be a matter of, you know, once those materials that we wanna use become available, we'll be in a good spot. Yeah, so we're doing what we can. The team is moving forward on building out a website, which we'll probably talk about later. So obviously not ideal, but it's reality. And hopefully when we return after a short break before season two, We'll have some more news to share. But in the meantime, we're going to continue recording season two of Beyond the Cart. And in the coming weeks, we'll be doing a combination of short deep dive episodes on tools and tactics, as well as more interviews with e-commerce professionals. So we want to thank everybody who's listened so far and told us they can't wait for chairs or encouraged us in this first season. And please stay tuned for season two, which will be coming up later this fall. Beyond the Cart is produced by Lightburn. Our episode today was produced and edited by Dave Mischewski. Our music is the song Let's Go, Go, Go by Tiger Blood Jewel. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your audio. You can always learn more about e-commerce at lightburn.co. I'm Nora Law. And I'm Andrew Windheiser. And we'll see you next time on Beyond the Cart.